Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... My parents were, were, my parents went through stuff and, uh, I have the therapy to prove it, but, um, but I'm glad that, I'm glad that being a parent and you both, I know are going through the same thing that you yeah. can start to see your influence. I can see in my seven year old and even in my three year old that, that the person, the person that I was raised to be, and also the person that I'm trying to be, despite how I was raised, I can see it affected in my kids and mm. you know they're going to grow up and find something wrong with me and find something great in me and they're going to change mm. too and it's going to be wonderful right yeah i love your optimism let's do a quick exercise ready think about the first time you became aware that you your skin tone or your experiences were represented in a book maybe someone read the book to you maybe the story was particularly memorable for the connection you made with the events or characters maybe it was a story you sought out or one that was gifted to you now think about the first time you became aware that you your skin tone or your experiences were not represented this may be a little harder for some or even most of you if i'm being totally honest it probably wasn't until high school that i read a book that was outside my comfort zone or my knowledge of experience high school. Today, I reflect with my guests on a reader's ability to be aware of representation early on, what that looked like in our own childhoods, and what it looks like for readers today. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 449. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. And today, I'm excited to share the second interview in a two-part series focusing on Can I Touch Your Hair? Poems of Race, Mistakes, and Friendship. Before we get started, shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on, care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshana, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and the van load of others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. All the hugs and high fives, of course, for all of the many, many ways all of you out there listening support the show. And speaking of your support, please take a moment to listen to this short message from our sponsors who help to make today's episode possible. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. 
You've heard me share this before, but Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. So go visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. And the Children's Book Podcast is also sponsored by Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors. The team shares our mission is to help aspiring storytellers learn the craft of storytelling by sharing our creative process intimately. We believe everyone has a story to tell. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini class. Enroll today at storytelleracademy.com slash wonder, or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. A quick note before we get started, we had a little bit of trouble with connectivity, which makes some of the conversation a little choppy. Um, I cleaned it up as much as I could, but I think the integrity of what is being said was the most important thing. So I do hope that you uh, listen and enjoy this entire conversation with Irene and Charles. It's quite special, and I'm going to let the conversation do the talking. Enjoy. And now please welcome my guests, Selena Alco and Sean Qualls, illustrators of Can I Touch Your Hair? Poems of Race, Mistakes, and Friendship. Welcome to the podcast, Sean Qualls, Selena Alco. I'm glad that you're both here tonight. So are we. Happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I got to say, I'm just going to call it out up front. It is not often that I got to talk, that I get to talk to a couple, that I get to talk to two people at once <laughs> in the same room. And I know that that has something to do with some children you also have in the, in the background. But I'm, it, it, it was, uh, as a librarian, there's always sort of these little uh, insider things. This sounds so dumb to say it, but I'm just going to say it, that it's fun to find out. And so, for example, finding out that Sean and Selena are together um, was really a fun thing for me because it's cool. You're married and you make art together in beautiful picture books. Like, that's that's a thing that you do. And you also make beautiful children, I trust. But you also make beautiful picture books. And those, those are kind of a little bit like putting babies out into the, into the world, too. So Yeah. So thanks for doing this thing you do together. Oh, well, thank you for acknowledging it. Yeah. <laughs> Selena, while, while I have you here, would you mind introducing yourself to the people listening that haven't, that haven't met you or your work yet? Hmm. Um, sure. Um, so my name is Selena, and um, I'm originally from Vancouver, Canada, um, but I've been living in New York for, oh, since 1991. Um and I, um, I love it. I love, I love it here. We live in Brooklyn, um, and Sean and I have been married for 15 years, um, and we have two kids, and we make books, and I love it. I love making books for children. I love that you love it. I want to get into <laughs> making books for children soon, but I want to introduce mm. Sean first. Sean, would you mind actually introducing yourself to the people listening? Sure. Um, my name is, <clears throat> excuse me, my name is Sean Qualls. Uh, I am a creator of illustrated books for children and um, also a creator of illustrative uh, fine art paintings. I did not know this about you. 
You're a yes. fine art painter. How about it? <laughs> were you were you a um, bookmaker first, or a fine artist first, or are they sort of intertwined? Yeah, you know, for me they're intertwined. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. In uh, art school, I had a hard time sort of, and I wavered back and forth between fine arts and illustration. And for me, the two are very entwined. Um, both Selena and I are still very traditional. We make all of our art by hand. Um, and that process is very exciting for us. Um, and I love being able to tell stories and illustrate form to children and their families. Um, but I also love having something to say outside of the books that I make um, in a visual art form. So, so Selena, how about you? What, what did coming into working in children's illustration look like? What have you always had that focus, or or were you applying your art, expressing your art in different ways before that? Um, well, I. I majored in illustration at the School of Visual Arts where I went um, to go to art school. And I did take a children's uh, book class at SVA. Um, so I sort of did have that focus early on. Of course, when I graduated, I did a million things yeah. like mu mural painting and um, you know technical line drawings for a cosmetic company and things like that. Oh, cool. And, yeah. Sort of. That's, I mean, it's, di um, it's different. It was different. And I met, like, my best friend at the time. And that was really fun and an important stage just for the friendship alone. <laughs> um, but, and I lived in the East Village. And so I was just really trying to find myself as an artist. But I, I think that um, I've, I found my way through doing educational books. Um, those, like, those those little, those readers, those yeah. um yeah, you know the, you the level readers that we use. The level readers, uh huh, exactly. The ones that fill our reading closet and are read over and over and over as <sighs> as children sort of demonstrate their ability to comprehend. Exactly. Mm. Yes. And so very early on, I was tasked with this idea that you know, um, it it was not very creative work, but there was always this emphasis on making sure that. Um, the classroom, the children were well balanced, you know, well um, with the range of um, ethnic cultural backgrounds and um, gender balance. And so I think I became pretty aware of, um, of, of representation early on in my career. And this is even before I met Sean. And then I met Sean and of course, you know, things got even more, um, you know, personally interesting and, and, and important for me to, to look at um, race and, and representation um, in terms of, of balance in, in my art. Nice. I, I think it's so interesting with, with people being drawn to make books for children. I assume that both of you, but maybe it's presumptuous of me, but I assume that both of you found and loved children's books as children as well is that is that mm -hmm. true because you medium, know we get you know i'm sorry to step on your answer sean yeah, yeah that medium is just it's a special medium isn't it i mean i, I say all the right. time on here and i'm not the only one that says it that picture books are the first time any child gets up close 
with art. Or mm-hmm. most often, it's the first opportunity for a child to get up close with art and to study art. Um, so to work in that medium, I think, is really... Uh, I, th- I think it's a challenging medium. It definitely has its challenges, but, you know, um, I think we get asked this question all the time. And uh, I think yeah, maybe Selena has a different answer. Um, it really took me some time to sort of remember the picture books I was exposed to as a children, as a, as a child. Um, and we didn't necessarily have a lot around the house. Um, I grew up reading like Greek mythology. And then at one point I was given, given an illustrated Bible. And those books were um, really a big part of my childhood. Um, but then I also remember visiting the doctor's office. Um, and when, whenever we'd go there, there was just like a whole slew of picture books. Um, and I can't remember any one per se, but this is in the 70s. So stylistic, and the book books were out of date then. So stylistically, <laughs> it was artwork from the 60s. So that was really sort of, like you said, you know, my first entry into, you know, the world of art um, was through picture books, but they were picture books from the 60s. Um, So that really sort of framed my taste in art and especially uh, in illustration. So um, the illustrators that really inspire me are people that either sort of have a flair of that or people of that era. Um, and then the Greek mythology was like the, uh, Dallaire's book of Greek mythology, which is, you know, also from that period as well. So that, that was really sort of my early, uh, entry into picture books, but I, I had sort of forgotten about it growing up because I really got into comic books as a teen. And then as a young adult, I was really into graphic novels. Um, <clears throat> but you're totally right. Illustration was really, and it was really sort of like my earliest influence in terms of art. And when I got to art school, I didn't even know, I didn't know the difference between like, you know, um, Monet or Picasso or um, Van Gogh, you know, they were sort of like all the same person to me, but um, Mm -hmm. illustration was really sort of, and it's always been sort of like a constant. So even my fine art paintings have an illustrative flair to them. I like that. Yes. Selena, your um I need to at some point I need to ask when collaborating together where one ends and the other begins. And mm. I want to get there, but I want to ask first about your first book, Selena. I want to know about your first book and where from from college to cosmetics i'm gonna tell you that it's college to cosmetics mm-hmm. so wherever <laughs> where where that picture book came in and mm. then where collaborating on art came in for you and i should say just to to preface this i'm i'm i, I i'm putting cart before the horse i should say to the people listening that th- one of the reasons why we're talking tonight is because of this gorgeous new picture book you have out called Can I Touch Your Hair? Poems of Race, Mistakes, and Friendship. It's written by Irene Latham and Charles Waters, and you both illustrated this book, and it's it's exceptional. I uh, When this episode goes up, there will have uh, previously been an episode with Irene and Charles, um, and, and it's, 
it's such a powerful and moving book. It's a book that my students and I have read and studied mm. and, and discussed, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to open it up to our whole school. Um, mm. as, as, as we're recording in the school year is rapidly ending and I'm already considering mm-hmm. next year. But, um, but again, Selena, I turn back to you to ask about your start mm. in picture books. I'd love to know what that looked like then, because I know that where you are now, I'm sure, uh, there have been changes along the way and mm. well, I don't know, you, you tell me. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was, um, trying to break in to, um, to illustrate. And I, uh, I went to SCPWI events and I actually met some other, um, new, newly aspiring illustrators and we, we formed a critique group and somebody else in the group was offered a manuscript and she decided she didn't want to illustrate it. Mm. And so she asked me if I would, I was interested and it was from a small publisher called Gibbs Smith publishing. Um, and it was, you know, not a very large advance. Um, but I loved the manuscript. It is, um, the book is called my subway ride and it was my first, um, book that, uh, that was published that I feel really proud of. Um, and I, and the nice thing about the small publishers, they gave me total freedom. They just said, you know, have fun. And I, and it's, it's, it's basically, it's a journey throughout New York city via subway, um, underground and visiting all different stops. And there's all different people. There's no main characters. Um, so I had a chance to kind of really go crazy with, um, with, just you know shapes and colors and collage and and portraits and 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 I really had fun with design and I didn't and it was like the complete opposite from the type of work I had been doing for those you know educational readers yeah right exactly it was like a chance to break free and I really did and um the cool thing about that project is so the art the book got into the original art show in Whoa. In um, in New York, your yeah. debut, your debut picture book. God, that's amazing! Wow, yeah, it was exciting. Okay. So congratulations, and years it later. It was that same. Yeah. Ironically, it was or coincidentally the same year Sean got a, his first book. Well, it was maybe the second book that he illustrated, but it got no, the first. It was the no. first book he illustrated. Got in was that Baby on the Way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, his you book got too. in the same year. So we were kind of breaking into the field at the exact same time. Did you know each other at the time? We were married. Oh, this you were already married. Okay, cool. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, we did... can back up. But like, no, no, no. so this was all. How long ago was this? Um, two thousand four. Four. It's all five. happening so fast, Selena. Oh my word. I, think, I, think, I know. I think two thousand five. Well, we had you know, so we had met, and we were both really aspiring to be illustrators. Yeah. Um, each of us had been right. published in smaller publications and, you know, magazines and things like that, but we hadn't actually done picture books and Sean didn't necessarily know, necessarily even want to do picture books, but. Well, I I didn't know that I wanted to do picture books. I I thought I wanted to do graphic novels and I thought I wanted to do illustrations for magazines and picture books sort of fell into my lap, but also, you know, it's like, (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes we find ourselves on a path and um, we don't realize that the path is actually leading us. We think it's leading us one place, but it leads us 
to the place that we need to be. And that's sort of what happened to me with picture books. So I'm sorry, you go, you finish what you were saying. Um, I got a little distracted with Ginger's question if we, whether our daughter just walked in and asked if we have cornstarch. <laughs> we're on a podcast, love. Um, so anyways, uh, what was the question? Um, Here, let me... so, so we were married. Oh, okay. um, you want to do picture books. You're not sure if I wanted to do picture oh, books. Oh, right, right. right. <clears throat> and it, you know, I was on a path that sort of led yeah. me to a place. That and I, I think I'm... I don't know if I convinced you, but I think I gave a strong argument for the fact that the nice thing about doing picture books is you have this ongoing project that lasts for a while and it gives you a chance to do sequential images. And it's sort of a little bit more um, like reliable for lack of a better word, like, or it's it sort of, to me, it always felt like a career doing picture books was something that could be planned out or, um, you know, it, it was more, it was more, um, steady than, than so, an you know, editorial career. More stable. Yeah. Stable. We have, oh, we do have a number, we kind of bridge both worlds because yeah. we're pretty involved with the editorial illustration world, um, to this day still. And, um, we have a number of friends who are successful editorial illustrators and they are literally like, they have a dead, like they get a call for an illustration and have to do it overnight, you know, do a sketch and, and, and the finish. And it's just, and the, every month is, is like a scramble to make ends meet and to make sure they, you know, they get the work done. And But that's what editorial that, is like. It's, it's like pretty it, short turnaround and it's. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's at the pace of a magazine yeah. or newspaper being published. Yep. Yeah. And, and as you're saying too, like you can make a career out of it, but perhaps not knowing that like I can line up these, well, I'm going to do this illustration. Um, I'm going to do three illustrations for these three different publications each month for the next six months. It sounds more like it's, it's, it's a month to month thing. Yeah. That's, sounds that sounds stressful. <laughs> you must have to be, I guess yeah. the right kind of person to be able right. to focus on that. Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's temperamental. You know, I, I okay. think those who have yeah. that sort of temperament, yeah. And, you know, it definitely suits them. Um, I have a friend who loves it because he plays golf every Thursday. So, you know, it's it's like it, it just it works in with his schedule and his sort of temperament. But, um, yeah. He actually uh, does children's books now, too. He does children's books. I think a lot of people from editorial want to do children's books. Yes, they and, do. Because um, then they, they start to see after a while it's it's they get a little burnt out and they they see that that stable that stable element. And how about that notion too of speaking of stability, you also sort of have stability with the art that you're making. Like when you make a picture book it it stays, it it lasts. Right. Even if sure. the book yes. only goes through like one or two printings, it yeah. those books exist and they they mm-hmm. stay right. with families. You might not see it but they stay with families. Whereas sort of the the notion of being in a periodical is that it's mm. it's meant to be, you know, um, it's meant to be discarded when you're done. Right. It's yes. ephemeral. That's it, ephemeral. It disappears. Ephemeral. Yes. Yes. Ephemeral. I love. Um, yeah. Right. And no, you you hit the nail on the head. Head, head on the nail. Just to clarify, yeah. um, I was always interested in doing picture books when I was into illustration, but when I was breaking into illustration, but I I. I was constantly sort of getting feedback that, you know, my figures were too sad. They weren't active enough. There wasn't enough action. 
you know, so I, I was getting that feedback and, and, you know, somehow things just sort of at one point um, reached a critical mass and I went from sort of getting that feedback to numerous offers at the same time. That feedback, right at- that feedback was on your style and then people started accepting and loving and seeking out your style. Is that sort of mm-hmm. what I'm hearing? Pretty, here? I feel like that's the thing. Pre- mm-hmm. Pretty much. I mean, my art was always sort of, you know, had an emotional bent to it. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, for, for magazine work, I would get, you know, stories about, you know, psychology and, and, um, you know, yes. uh, depression and, you know, but mental, I mean, because I, my work is introspective. So, I'm always in, interested in whatever I do, like the interior life of whoever I'm depicting, whatever story I'm telling, I'm, I'm interested in the interior life of those characters. Um, so it went from that sort of being, you know, um, a minus to a plus. And I'm not sure how it even happened. Um, I, I think it just sort of happened as a matter of enough people seeing my work. Um, and then someone taking a chance and then, you know, once the first, the first couple books were out there, um, things just sort of started happening. Man, if that's yeah, not a I mean, testimony to like the masses, I don't know what is that like, sometimes it's just a matter of the right people aren't seeing your work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Numbers game. Not always, mm-hmm. but sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Selena, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, well, and then the fact that, that our early books got into the original art show was yes. was kind of a key right. thing because it got us our our first agent. She, she was at the show, and she gave us each separate um, calls or emails, hmm. and and then we decided to sign on, um, sign up with her, and that was really instrumental in helping us plan and... Um, and you know, continue the the ball kept rolling from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, what was the first book that you both collaborated on, and and what was the decision? Like, how what did this decision look like to collaborate together? So, the first book that um, we did the illustrations together on um, is the case for loving. The Fight for Interracial Marriage, and I wrote the words (laughs) um, to this story, which is the nonfiction true story of um, Mildred and Richard Loving. Yes. Yeah. So they. I I didn't realize that was your first. I'm I'm like taken aback by that. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. Oh, thank you. It's the first book that we worked on together. Together, correct. But yeah. Um, So at that point, I guess I had written a a few books. Um, and I'm, you know, as an, becoming an author as well as an illustrator, I'm, you know, always looking for new topics to explore. And the subject of marriage, um, was a fascination of, of mine and ours since we got married because, you know, being, we are an interracial couple and, um, at the time that we were married, it was only 35 years since the case of Loving versus Virginia made it to the Supreme Court, and now it's been 50 years. Oops, I just lost my earbud. Um, so it's been 50 years, and 
Um, but at the time that I wrote it was, this was at least 2010, five, I think. Yeah. Eight years ago, eight years ago. So anyways, um, at thinking about illustrating it, it just seemed like this sort of natural and perfect, uh, chance for us to collaborate. We had been, we had, um, been approached by a publisher a few years before, um, with the possibility of collaborating, and it was a, a story about Muhammad Ali. We did some sample pieces, the project fell through, but it sort of planted the seed for us to collaborate. So it wasn't like this new idea out of the blue, but it had been percolating, it, it had been germinating. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your book, I'm sure you're aware of this, but the, the timing was just so powerful that. Uh, when it was coming up on the anniversary of that landmark case, um, you had um, the case for Loving coming out, and Patricia Ruby Powell had Loving mm. versus Virginia, that YA novel written in verse, mm. and then the um, the film came out. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mean, the story was everywhere, and to have mm. these three different treatments of the story, I just felt it really felt like it was part of it was it was part of a larger discussion because everything was timed in that un, un, <laughs> that unplanned and yet serendipitous <laughs> way that these things mm. were all sort of together yeah i know and it's it's kind of cool now and and neat to think that maybe even in classrooms with, you know with, with the civil rights units that um that this case is now being taken more seriously or being introduced to more and more children um, because of because of the books that exist now. Yeah, and and your book right along in that group and how many mm. how many other books that are that are that are there for these kids that children get get to see each other and get to process what's going on. I can't help but I, I have to bring up. Can I touch your hair? Because this book. For those that aren't aware of this book, um, it, it opens it opens so many opportunities for discussion and reflection mm. and introspection. Can I mm. can I ask one of you? I, I would love to hear one of you describe the book for people listening the way that you book talk it in that way that I just sort of wonder how how you've processed it, how you're sharing it. Hmm, it's a good question. Um, hmm. Well, we, I mean, I think we approach it from the point of view, um, why we took the project on and how it spoke to us and how we imagine our, ourselves, uh, our childhood selves in the classroom. Um, I think it was an exercise, I know for myself, of imagining um, myself, um, putting myself in uh, my classmates' shoes and it, it sort of was like, what if Sean and I were in a class when we were mm. were little? Or also our children. What are our children? You know, how how are they moving through their their you know the, the hallways of the school and thinking about their friends and in terms of race and identity? Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how about you, Sean? Well. Y- <clears throat> Um, everything that Selena just said, and also, um, 
you know, some of the uh, some of the situations were actually quite close to um, my heart. Just you know, some of the uh, social awkwardness and kind of um, feelings of not fitting in and uh, sort of being an oddball. Um, I definitely resonated with those um, as well. So, um, and then you know, I, I, all the all the books that we've done um, as a couple have definitely sort of been this sort of like um, uh, have had this sort of uh, interracial sort of bent where you know we're talking about either the experience of um, someone coming from you know different backgrounds <clears throat> that are similar to each one of ours or you know in the case of uh the case for loving where it's a family that looks a lot like ours um fighting for uh their right to be acknowledged um and to live together as a family just like anyone else mm-hmm. um yeah so uh, can i touch your hair was just sort of another book um that we could see ourselves reflected in that's um, cool in a number of ways yeah that's cool because because i think well first i know that irene and charles sort of said the same thing that when the publisher came back and were and mentioned uh your names that they just I, I, I not to take words out of their mouth but i think that they were just beside themselves that that the match was just so perfect that just it felt so right um and in this story to have these two voices talking back not talking back and forth, but but talking to one another in in poetry, talking to their experiences, talking to um, racial bias, or talking to what what they're uncomfortable with, or how they're trying to navigate this world and, and understand racial differences, um, mm-hmm. just what that means to be a child and to ask questions, um, to have to have that in this, and then to have. Uh, to uh, really to have two poets that wrote it that said this was my childhood or I was writing in consideration of my childhood and now to hear likewise two artists saying that they as well were tapping into their childhood it feels like no wonder uh, this story feels so pure and no wonder this story feels so sincere because you both as well uh, were coming from that place of of seeing yourself and of, of, of using this as a tool to, I think, not only communicate to children, but I think it might be fair to say that you were, through your art, communicating to your childhood selves as well. Mm. Yes. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Yep. I wonder, yeah. I wonder then how this book came to you, because I don't always get to ask that directly, what it looks like when a book comes to you. But when, when, when you were approached um, to potentially do the art on can i touch your hair had the poems already been finished or was it were you approached from the concept stage or just you know where where in the process were you approached about this um the poems had already been finished um so we got to read i think most of them were finished weren't they i I think most of them if not all of them were finished um so we we definitely got to see the finished poems and you know Definitely. I mean, that's that's really important. I think there's only been one case where I haven't seen a manuscript before um, uh, before signing on to a project, um, and we could definitely see ourselves reflected in it. 
Um, so that's really important for us when, you know, because, you know, collaborating um, has its benefits and it also has its challenges. So if we're going to step into those waters, it's really important for us to feel like, you know, we have enough to bring to the project and that the project is going to bring something to us as well. Right. And that it's going to be meaningful enough to devote this much, you know, time and energy and, and, and dialogue to. Um, mm -hmm. But originally it was called... Um, it's not black and white. Right. Really? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ah, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, which is a fine title, I guess. Um, but I, you know, I think what I, I'm quite impressed with Learner, the publisher, because I think they put a, I, I, like really a lot of thought into the design of the, the, the cover, the title, like to really, they're, I think they're pretty savvy. Um, and like that that whole process was um was more involved um than some of the other books we've worked on um and um yeah so i i, so. I think the design of the book <laughs> is gorgeous i am impressed mm. that it it takes on a longer form it's about I'm, I'm, i don't know how many pages 38 40 something 38 mm-hmm 39 yep. numbered pages. Um, so it's it's a longer book. I've read the book aloud to uh, from cover to cover to three classes. And mm -hmm. it's. I think at first when I approached it, I thought, I wonder if I should just select poems in this because I wonder if they'll sit mm -hmm. to hear me read aloud all of these poems to them because, you know, we're at the end of the school year and it's hard to sit and it's uh, mm. it's just you never want to take for granted your audience. I know when a book is special to me, but I don't want to force on any child for that to mean that it must take on meaning for them as well. I want to make sure I save space for them. And yet, when I read this book, and when you read from the start, um, the poems are paired uh, in a way I was telling Irene and Charles, I, I really loved that. Initially, when I read it, um, I saw the title page and I saw the names of the poems and I thought, okay, they're all they're all sort of partnered up. But as I read it, the the this goes back to the design, but the the feeling of it was, huh? These sort of feel like they're about the same thing. And then I forgot about them being sort of on the same topic. And then the book comes in sort of swinging harder. Um, mm. And at that point, I started becoming very, very aware of how we were seeing all of these different circumstances and events through two different perspectives, but how the book, the poems, and your art as well were, were all acting as ways to show these experiences are wide enough for all of us to see ourselves in them. There's experiences mm. here with hearing hearing words in songs that we connect with and whether or not those are inappropriate words or uh, whether that means a song needs to be banished completely. Um, I mean, why am I even bouncing around? I hear myself already trying to like censor myself. Do you mind if I read to you? <laughs> this was such a powerful oh, poem and it was one that my students, I think frankly were shocked that I read to them. And that to me is part of the power of this book is that, it respects the reader. So I'm going to go uh, all the way toward the end. Uh, this book is called 
or this poem is called The N-Bomb. And this is Charles, mm-hmm. Af- the African-American boy, writes, Mom, holding my folded laundry, passes as I'm nodding, swaying, flowing into rhythms that make me start sliding my feet from side to side. The rapper then punches out a word that makes her do a double take. Did he just drop the N-bomb? She asks. Yes, I say. But it had an A at the end of it, not an E-R, so it's okay. No, it's not, she says. No matter how you spell it, it's still a spit in the face of our ancestors, who for far too long fought against the infection of that word. Sorry, I say, pressing the stop button, not knowing what kind of music I can listen to anymore that will make me happy. Mm. That space Mm. in that poem, man, that space in that poem of, of the strength and the power and the emotion behind words and behind music and the complexity though of of the meaning of words i just felt like man i don't know it just every single i could read i could just sit here and read every single poem in this book aloud um and and there's just something that that sings to me through it i wonder for for each of you if if there was a particular poem or set of poems that that spoke to either of you or that, that uh, maybe even in some way intimidated you as you approached the, the subject matter. Mm. Well, why don't you start? I like, um, I'm just flipping through it now, but why aunt Sarah doesn't go downtown after dark, which is just so simple. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. I'll read it real. It's very brief. Sky, black. Streets, black. Faces, black. Fear, white. And that one was by Irene. And, um, I mean, it's just so simple. It's like these stereotypes and, um, or these, these, the, the associations with these words. And, um, it just points to the the biases in our society. When you, when you, Selena, or I guess both of you, when, when you were collaborating on this and Sean, I want to hear your response as well. But when you were collaborating on this book, let me just quickly ask, what did it look like to work on this art? Um, does you, do you, do you work on the same pieces together? Do you, uh, add to each other? Is there a place where one of you starts and the other, um, the other comes in or is it maybe just just give us a little peek into what making mm. art together looks like it's been different for each project um, normally when we start off we have an idea of who's going to do what um, <clears throat> we were doing this book on the coattails of another book about two children of different uh, ethnic backgrounds called Why Am I Me? Um, so we were already in, we already sort of had the rhythm going. Um, so we just sort of slid into this one sort of like uh, with more sort of free-flowing and more of a for-all than we had the other three books that we illustrated together. Um, and I, I think that's a nice way to go because um, I think we did some things 
differently in this book that we hadn't in the other ones because we had already sort of had a rhythm going. Normally, it's like <clears throat> um, if you, you know, there, there's, there, we've had more time in between books. I think there was um, a couple of years between The Case for Loving um, and then Two Friends, which was the second book that we did together, and then Why Am I Me? But um, Why Am I Me and Can I Touch Your Hair were so close to one another, um, sort of like, you know, uh, running a relay race, mm, you know, yeah. so you're, you're feeding off of the momentum of the one that mm. came before. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sean, before you share your poem, can I tell you, and you as well, Selena, that Why Am I Me was beloved in my library this year. We did a mock oh. Coretta Scott King. Uh, it's oh. 16 books that we sort of pitted in sort of like a March Madness kind of bracket style competition. And mm. that book was fiercely loved and then checked out the entire rest of the school year. You both did gorgeous work on that. Ah, oh, I oh. just love it. I love that book so much. Anyway, I, <laughs> the, the greatest thing is just is just reveling in the fact that there's more books. I know we haven't even talked about whatever you're working on. I just know that you're working and I like that. Sean, I would love to know what what poem or set of poems spoke to you in this in this collection. You know, um I I, I think I think for me, I, I, I think how do I say this? I think uh I think Sort of people like Charles and I uh, occupy sort of similar sort of we, we sort of occup, occupied similar fears spheres in uh, elementary school, and um, so a lot of the poems in the book um, sort of reflect my experience. Um, but I'm going to go with the title poem, which um, or actually the one that takes the title. Um, yeah, strands. Uh, called strands. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, because uh, I had a lot of hair issues growing up, and um, our kids do. And it was this constant. I grew up in the '70s, so it was this constant sort of like people who weren't aware of. Well, well, I would say this from both black and white kids, just getting sort of negative feedback regarding my hair, um, and. Uh, in terms of uh, getting feedback from white kids, it would be like, "Ooh, you put grease in your hair," and then, and then sort of like having this sort of fascinating fascination where they also wanted to touch it um, and make all sort of comparisons about it, like you know, like it's a sponge. Oh, like it's a sponge. Like you push it and it goes back. Um, so. Sure, I'll I'll go ahead and read it um, as well. Strands. On a random Tuesday on the bus, Dennis asks me, can I touch your hair? He pats it before I can respond. It feels like a sponge, he says. My fists clench and my face gets hot. You need to learn to wait for an answer after after asking permission. I tell him and pat his hair hard. Oh, how about that? Your hair feels like a mop, I say. I keep my fist ready, but he turns away. So I, for me, it's, it's 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 sort of very 
also like I don't know if things are like this anymore, but it's sort of like a fascination and sort of um, repelling and a fascination at the same time hmm. um, that sort of drew me in that was definitely reflective of my childhood. I'm sorry that that imprinted so deeply on your childhood as well. And that that is, I'm sorry that that is a common experience. Well, that's, that's very sweet. And I, I really appreciate it. It is what it is. You know, is we, yeah. we live and learn. And now there's, you know, this book and, you know, a number of other books that address it, you know? Yes. So, you know, um, you know, if we can use all of that, and I think that's what we try to do in our work, use it for learning and teaching moments and, uh, you know, uh, ways and means of raising um, everyone's awareness, mm. um, then it was, you know, there was a meaning to it all. Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious to hear from you how, how this book um, lands with, with kids and if you've had, like, what some of the discussions have been. I'm sure that's a, a huge can of worms, but so, yeah, let, let's go, let's go heavy with this book, but we'll go as brief as I can. Um, so my fifth graders have spent the past two weeks reading or their teachers have been reading to them in order to prepare for a school visit that we had last Thursday. Mm. We read ghost boys by Jewel Parker Rhodes. And mm. Ghost boys is this beautiful, powerful middle grade novel. I feel like it's the novel of the year. Gorgeous book about um, a police shooting of a 12-year-old black boy who was carrying a toy gun. And the story sort of takes these two paths of um, Jerome, the boy, uh, the day leading up to this event that happened and sort of a, 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 a hour by hour of that, of that day. And that's intertwined with Jerome being a ghost and the only person that can see or hear him is the daughter of the white police officer that shot him. <laughs> it goes through the trial and the funeral, and it is a heavy and hard and powerful book. And literally, Selena, I was going through, where do I go from here? Um, we created such a beautiful space with these fifth graders. They had such a... Such a I think such a vulnerable and powerful and empowering time discussing this book with their friends and reflecting and preparing for this author visit and speaking with the author. All of that was, I, 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 there wasn't a moment of it I would change, but I found myself then going, what, what now? And so, mm -hmm. so um, reading Can I Touch Your Hair to them was was where I could go. Uh, and so I was reading wow. it to them at the same, at the same time that the author, the week that the author was visiting, um, mm. because I didn't want to, I wanted to respect that sacred space that the book had, had brought them to because mm -hmm. we, and perhaps many schools, we don't get to that place in school, um, often enough or maybe ever. So I want to respect that. And also, allow that to be a safe place and a place that, that I can return to with other students in years to come. And also with these students as they go off to middle school and come back and visit me, that space I want to be safe and to be sacred. And so when I read this book, it was able to be another book that could show them, I see you, I hear you, 
and and I'm there too, and there's space for us to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reading this to them, um, the reaction, quite frankly, was from uh, from feeling comfortable enough to call out and sort of be outspoken and be like, I've been there before, to to hush, to silence. You know, there's the the um, the two poems that face each other, uh, turning to, nope, here. Um, the one about Officer Broussard, there it is. Officer Broussard, mm-hmm. and then yeah, the okay. other one called News. Um, and, and so when we talk about police, and we talk about current events, as this book does, um, it connects. And so for them, much like in the case for Loving that we talked about earlier, for them to see themselves reflected in the news and in a middle grade novel and in a picture book and to see there are all these different mediums and venues that that you can see yourself in and you can use to process what's going on and to talk for God's sake to talk about it um, mm. I think was a powerful thing um, but I think I think me reading a poem title that said you know the n-word I think shocked them but it shocked them mm-hmm. on the same level that me sharing a book about a 12-year-old boy getting shot and killed shocked them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that um, I don't know, I, I, I think I can't answer your question directly because I'm still processing it too. But I can tell you that it was yeah. a moment that we shared and that that's why I wanted to talk about this book and that that's why I wanted to reach out to you and to... Irene and to Charles because I felt compelled that this book feels bigger than its pages and bigger than its cover and bigger than its place on our (laughs) library shelf. It feels like it needs space to open up, to talk, to breathe. And so, Mm. um, here we are. Right. And, and what's more important than our conversation is acknowledging that there are, many, many, many more conversations that aren't being recorded on podcasts that are happening in mm-hmm. classrooms and in front of children, mm. and perhaps even parents and perhaps in uh, library organizations or at bookstores. There are conversations happening around this book and others. Um, wow. And the fact that this book is published is a stepping stone to having those conversations. So mm-hmm. it's a big deal that you two said yes to make art on this book and a big deal that Irene mm-hmm. and Charles said yes to doing it together and the learner said yes mm-hmm. and that there's so many yeses along the way that needed to happen to make this happen. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm grateful that it happened. Oh, wow. That's, I, I'm so um, honored that you shared that with us because I mean, you know, we're, we're creating art in a vacuum. We're, we're in our studios and, you know, we hand the art off to the publisher and then it's out in the world and we don't, we don't get to hear the, this type of feedback um, too often. I mean, this book is relatively newly out um, and we haven't um, done that many school visits, really any school visits um, with this book in particular. It's gonna, done, yeah, this book's going to take some yeah. time. Like you can just tell this isn't like a, those funny books, man, they circulate fast. But <laughs> the books, the books, the books with the weight, they take time because they, they take root. And that's, um, wow. 
That's a cool thing. I'd love, I hope that more teachers um, listen to this and, and, and try to pair the book with heavier novels um, as, a, as a way to start the conversation. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And now I want to read Ghost Boy, you said? It's called Ghost Boys by Jewel Parker Rhodes. And okay. I think you and everyone whose ears this <laughs> message reaches mm. should listen to it. I recorded an interview with, with uh, Jewel a couple couple weeks or mm. so ago, and it's mm. it's a good one. And you can listen to it before reading the book. Um, we, we don't spoil, but... Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we're, right. we are in the time we are and the books being made are the ones being made. Can I ask you actually, mm-hmm. before, before we wrap up our time together, before we do mm-hmm. send mm-hmm. that message to your readers, can I ask you first, um, if, if you have anything you're able to share what you're working on next? Mm. <laughs> I understand we might, we might not be able to share. So, you know, just nodding um, up and down that you're working is a good thing too. But <laughs> I, um, I can I can share my project that I'm um, currently about to start the final art on is um, a picture book biography on Joni Mitchell, the singer songwriter. Yeah. And I yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, she's just a fascinating she had a fascinating childhood and she's a painter and a musician and a, a, a poet and she had such a, 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 an amazing life um, with so much love and, and heartbreak and travel and, and loss. And I just, um, her story is, is, is inspiring and I, I'm super excited to start on the art, the artwork this summer for oh, that. Selena, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And Sean? Sean, you working on anything? I am. So I'm working on my first book as author and illustrator, and it's also about music, Um, but it's not about any one musician. It's really about my own sort of personal experience with music um, applied culturally to the African-American experience, Um, and that right now is called The Music, The People. Um, and I am close to completing the sketches, so hopefully I'll be able to start on the finished art very soon. And then also in about uh, um, a little less than four, about four weeks, um, I have another book coming out that I illustrated on my own, written by Nelson Mandela's daughter, that will be published um, for his centennial birthday about his life and legacy um, told from her perspective to her grandchildren. Um, so I'm excited wow. about that as well. Yeah. Oh, and that one's cool. called Granddad Mandela. Granddad Mandela. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah. It sounds uh, like you thank both, you, thank you both you. are keeping busy with some really cool stuff. Oh, <laughs> Granddad Mandela. I got to watch for that. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> let me uh, for now say thank you for coming on thank you for this conversation, but also I can just feel thank you for future conversations. Thank you for mm-hmm. in a, a month or a year or whenever our cro- our paths cross. Thank you for, for allowing those paths to cross because this, this was a really special path crossing right now for me. I'm really grateful. I got to meet you both. 
Oh, thank you. Likewise. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was really a pleasure. The conversation was so meaningful and deep. I loved it. Oh, you're sweet. Well, let's let's make sure we keep that sincerity as we as we turn to your readers, as we turn to my my students. Uh, Sean, I'm going to start with you. I'll see a mm. library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? Um, sure. I think um, I'd like to say to them, um, which I have found very important for myself, um, that uh, uh, it's just uh, I would like to say to students to believe in yourself. Believe in yourself and believe in your ability to become whatever it is that you can dream up. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Selena, I saved the final words for you. Could you please <laughs> you uh, let me know, is there a message that I can bring to my students from you? Yeah, um, I would like to ask um, your students to close their eyes and imagine themselves in somebody else's shoes. Someone, it can be a friend or a family member or a classmate or even someone that they don't like very much. And just imagine what it's like to be that person. And that's, that's it. And th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is Brian Lees, author-illustrator of the Bat books, including Bats at the Beach and of the upcoming Green Willow picture book, The Rough Patch. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.